The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Big thanks to New Day for letting us use the song Lion Kings as our intro this season. That's N E U D A E at New Day Music on Twitter. James, no article this week, but you did do a lengthy AMA. How, how long did this take you on Reddit? Uh, I just I did it for four hours. It was Jeez. just kind of. I mean, I wasn't non-stop answering questions for four hours but there was a four-hour window there where you could submit something and got to all of those got to i mean i, I think about 20 percent of the 30 or 40 maybe 50 questions were billy calhoun related in in huh. some way which to me was mind-blowing uh he's just someone that i think it's just very basic kind of what kind of prospect he is he's not very like he's good he's a good hitter he's close to the big leagues i just don't it, there's not really much to discuss with him and in, in my opinion he's just gonna be a guy that hits you know 270 280 uh 25 homers a year probably something like that 
and it's just a matter of can he get enough plate appearances as a guy that doesn't bring anything to the table defensively to justify the playing time. Uh, yeah, and I mean, questions there too of how much is he going to play? I mean, Rugnet Odor is not going to be sitting. I guess there's some at-bats at DH to be had. but Right, I mean, if you really love Willie Calhoun, you are expecting him to get all of the at-bats at DH for the Rangers next year, and that's totally possible. It's also possible, I guess, if you really want to get optimistic that he could play a decent amount in left field, but I, you know, I mean, I, I like him. I just, to me, he's, he's a weird guy for there to be that much, that many questions about like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think of Willie Calhoun? And I think the reason why I was getting so many questions is just because you had, uh, you know, the biggest name to move or the most dramatic name to move on deadline day was you Darvish. He was the headliner. And then, you know, as soon as he gets traded, everyone, thought that they were making some like nuanced observation that oh man this guy can flat out hit you know like yeah. great great hitter uh great move to the al it's like yeah well yeah obviously um may also speak to you know some second base options not really panning out or faring all that well right now or perhaps you know looking ahead to future years some guys losing second base eligibility i know there's some like matt carpenter and a few others who you know losing the eligibility will thin out the position a little bit right and i think with calhoun it's worth pointing out like you said he might only be second base eligible for that first year with the rangers presumably he carries that in in whatever leagues you're playing in because that was his primary position in the minor leagues but it's just really hard to see that team specifically ever giving him starts there unless Odor gets hurt. And even then, you know, Jerks and Profars quietly had a, a fairly solid year this year at AAA. I know everyone's kind of tired of of talking about him. I, there were people asking about whether, you know, this Joey Gallo injury might, might lead to Willie Calhoun coming up and playing third base. Like that, look, Jerks and Profar is going to be that guy. If they want to dip into some young player to play in the infield, I think it would be Profar and not Calhoun. And so, yeah, I mean, how does Calhoun even get one start at second base with the Rangers next year? And if he doesn't, then he loses that eligibility. Uh, he only has it for for the one year. And then as an outfielder, he becomes a lot less of a, a special fantasy asset. Yeah, and obviously Util only would be really a big bummer if you're a dynasty league owner i want to talk about some of the other guys that you you discussed in your ama you can check that out for yourself i know james tweeted it out the link the full text is there available to view i also retweeted it definitely worth your time I want to touch on some of these guys but first a couple of weeks ago you said you thought reese hoskins was going to go on a tear upon his initial run in the the major leagues I don't think anybody could have expected this. What, eight homers in 15 games? It's been absolutely insane. Really showing a good good approach as well, drawing a bunch of walks. And I was looking at his Brooks baseball page, and not terrible so far against breaking and off-speed stuff, but I do expect him to see a, a larger number of those type of pitches moving forward, a heavier dose. But still, the, the early returns are looking very, very promising. He's looking like a, a star right now. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm wondering what, how much, how much more he has to do to kind of convert the people that were maybe lowest on him when he came up. Because yeah. obviously, if you were a Reese Hoskins believer, you're 
all the way in the bag for him at this point. You you probably view him as a borderline top 10 first baseman as early as next season. Uh, but if you were someone who just wasn't really sold, thought he was maybe a little too old, wary about him being a first baseman without a ton of pedigree, if, I mean, at this point, are you converted? Is there, is it, is it even defensible anymore to make an argument that he might not be an above average offensive first baseman? Long, like long term, long term, like over, like say over the next three years. I do think it's probably too early to say that he's definitely going to be, but I, I would probably put him in there. I certainly would, especially with the decline of a guy like Miggy. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about next year, I think he'll gain it in season, but to start the year, probably be, well, quite possibly be outfield only. Which I'm fine with, you yeah, know. I guess you could stash him there. Dual eligibility is always nice. I mean, is actually, he's showing, well, at the very least, he's showing right now that those numbers he put up in the minors were, were no fluke, and he can carry over and produce at a at least a similar level in the majors. Well, I, I, I think he does, if he doesn't enter next year with first base eligibility, I think he gains it pretty quickly just given you know they're gonna have you know healthy Aaron Alther healthy Oduba Herrera Nick Williams Tommy Joseph's just not I think part of the reason they were hesitant to yank Joseph was just in case Hoskins had his struggles then Mm. then you're kind of in that situation where you have two guys that are sort of struggling against big league pitching and you just you you don't want to kind of have that situation but now i think they sort of know this is our first baseman so tommy joseph i mean he's still pre-arb not even arb eligible till 2020 so i don't know i just don't really see much reason for this team to move on from tommy joseph right now well he's just not very good he's not that good but he's not i mean offensively he's not horrible sure but i mean if you're you know what what team He's a guy that has like basically zero value in in terms of an oh, as an yeah. as an asset. How bad defensively he's been. Like he he you couldn't trade him for really anything. Yeah. I mean to me he's a guy that you can easily justify sending to AAA or just keeping around as a well even as a bench bat because he's so limited defensively. Well, I look at their their outfield depth organizationally. The guys they have at AAA, the guys that they are going to open the year with in the big league outfield and there's you know there's guys who are basically ready for for big league at bats who probably have a better chance of being long-term assets for the phillies i mean even a guy like roman quinn who who probably doesn't profile as a starting outfielder for them long term at the very least he could be a, a high quality fourth outfielder a guy that gives you a lot of speed off the bench and maybe can can be a defensive sub if you need one uh, Tommy Joseph just to me isn't that guy so I and I mean Adam Hazley theoretically moves quickly uh, Dylan Cousins who obviously I'm, I'm not a huge fan of but I mean he's he's a guy that offers some power so it's just it's hard to really see how Joseph fits long term with the the next competitive Phillies roster yeah those are good points I mean you look at Joseph's surface numbers is five by five numbers he looks okay from a fantasy perspective but yeah i mean real life value he's been a full win under replacement at least through his first 118 games according to fan graphs and even though he's going to be cheap next year pre-arb not really all that many reasons to keep him around if he's not a part of this team's long-term future but another guy mentioned quite a well, bit in your ama sorry well i just wanted to 
gauge where you sort of say like Hoskins kind of cools off the way we expect him to cool off, uh, but still, you know, enters the off season with a pretty respectable line. You know, how do you compare him just heading into next year to, you know, a guy like Eric Thames or a guy like Trey Mancini or, or Carlos Santana, like where maybe even Josh Bell or, or Ulyaski Guriel, where does he kind of fit among those guys heading into to 2018? Hmm, that's that is a good question because it's so tough to to judge on this small sample. But I think I've seen enough to say I'd take him over Santana. I think I'd take him over. Uh, I might take him over Thames realistically because Thames continues to get on base at a decent clip. Had a pretty good July, but really since the beginning of May, he's been a big batting average drain. Uh, who was the other name you mentioned? Well. But I, I would take him over Josh Bell, and I would take yeah. him over Yuli Gurriel. Yeah, same. Yeah, I do too, because... Trey Mancini was the other Trey one. Mancini. I'd take him over Mancini too. Mancini's been great, but I think I'd rather have Hoskins. I just believe in the approach a little bit more. I know another guy who got off to a similar start in his first 15 Major League games was Trevor Story, but realistically, they couldn't be further apart on the spectrum in terms of approach. No, <laughs> they really couldn't be. Uh so it's not like yeah, I'm it's, I'm looking at this as a total fluke. Obviously, he's not going to keep up this kind of pace, but I think this guy has shown enough already to, to think, you know, if I'm drafting today for 2018, I'm putting Hoskins probably in the top 50 overall. And, it, and in that park, uh, you know, I, I man, top 50 overall, that's, that's, that's pretty rich. But, uh, I mean, definitely in that, you know, top, and I don't think you'd have to, take him in the top 50 overall uh you know i like think about where a guy like gary sanchez was going after his huge debut uh and that was as a catcher yeah and and as a guy with a bit more pedigree than than hoskins i think he's going like top 30 in some drafts yeah i mean definitely you know easy top 75 i think i think hoskins if you really like him you can probably get him around pick 100 especially in an expert draft i think just because i think that like i i'm dreading going to first pitch arizona and dealing with the factor fluke hoskins crap because it's like yeah everyone's just gonna i mean this guy has been dealing with this for the past three years where just there's a group of people that want to believe and there's a group of people that are just like no no like Mm -hmm. total fluke like i i just I think you have to just admit that he's a good hitter and the any kind of debate you have about whether it's it shouldn't be fact or fluke it should be where does he stack up to these you know I think Thames versus Hoskins is a really good debate because I think they're both going to go around the same spot in drafts next year I think that I would definitely take Hoskins in in uh weekly lineup leagues just because i think the the brewers are perfectly fine platooning thames whereas hoskins you know exactly is going to play every day uh you know that batting cleanup i mean and in that park yeah that's true i yeah maybe top 50 is pushing but realistically i'm thinking about where a corner guy like kyle seeker went coming into the season i think it was probably 50 60 maybe early 70s in some drafts but i think if you look at that it's clearly like a floor versus upside type of thing depending on format you know if it's a 12 team league i'm probably chasing the upside and going with a guy like hoskins because 
especially in that range because I don't want to miss out on what could be a difference-making type of season. But I could see, you know, it's, it's jumping the gun. I need to he see He can more. pretty easily go over 100 in runs, RBI, and over 30 in home runs next year. I mean, that's that's very easy to... Yeah. to visualize i mean there there were people arguing that tommy joseph would go over 30 home runs this year i mean that there's a huge gap in terms of those guys uh plate skills and and raw power yeah and that's what it's all about it's not like this guy's coming up and having this kind of success and he's like aaron judge where he's i mean judge didn't have that initial success but like early in the first half of this season where he's knocking the cover off the ball but he's striking out you know there's going to be a big decline it's just like you know, there are going to be ebbs and flows with Hoskins as well, but I don't think the lows are going to be nearly as low as they've been with Judge lately. Some of the other names discussed <clears throat> quite a bit in your AMA. Uh, of course, Ron Acuna came up. Has anything changed since we talked a couple, uh, last week about September call-ups? Are you still expecting him to, to stay down? I really just don't. I think the people that are arguing that he could come up this year you you either think the Braves are stupid or you don't understand how service time works because it's just, it would be unfathomable to me to see a big league club give, basically give away a year of team control over a guy that like Acuna, who I, I think has all the sort of things you look for in a potential superstar. It just, it would make zero sense to me. Uh, especially given the fact that they're not re- realistically competing this year. I mean, even even if they were competing, I think it would be a horrendous decision. But you could at least make the case that, like, hey, like you know, this guy could legitimately give us a, a boost in the in the postseason. Uh, maybe maybe it's worth it, and maybe we try to you know sign him to some sort of deal that that buys out his first couple years of free agency to make up for it. But given everything involved here, you keep him down. It, it's not. And, and somebody made a comment in my, my September call-ups article last week, like um, like it, it, it's somehow being unfair to Acuna and not rewarding him by keeping him down. Doesn't matter. Like he's nineteen, and you've already moved him up to Triple A. Like I think you're Where did you're he being start? you're at. Uh, he opened the year at high A, and that was an aggressive assignment. He yeah. had 40 games at low A last year, 28 games at high A, 57 games at double A, 40 games now at triple A. I don't think you're being unfair to the player. Like it'd be unfair to Ronald Acuna if you if he was still at high A. Like it, you're you're promoting him. Yeah. Uh, at Plus, a it's a business. Extreme Fair or not doesn't matter. Right, and it, you're promoting him at an extremely fast rate here. Like he he's gonna debut as a young 20 year old in the big leagues next year, like that's great. He's going to debut. He's going to hit free agency right in his prime. Like he's going to make a ton of money if he stays healthy. I don't think you're doing a disservice to the player by keeping him down. And people were asking, well, when's he going to be up then? Well, mid, mid April. That's just what it is. He's going to be up as soon as they gain that extra year control. And I think the Braves have legitimate aspirations of making the playoffs next year, and I think it, that's definitely something they could do. Just like you said last week, it's a Chris Bryant situation repeated, essentially. I mean, right. it just makes no baseball sense to promote this guy and lose that, you know, give away your control. It's, it's smart business, and I think the Braves clearly are smart enough, even though the numbers and his performance suggest he's ready. 
Sure, but yeah. does, that doesn't really matter. That's not the argument. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. He's yeah. totally ready. Yeah, he's ready. Like, if he was ready, I would say blow all your remaining fab, go get him. Yeah. Like, if he if he comes up, like, I'm, I'm that confident in the talent. Uh, but that's not the argument. The argument is, will he be up? Not should he be up or can, does he deserve to be up? Is he hitting well enough to, to warrant a promotion? Like, we, we can all agree on that, yeah. but it, he's just not going to be up. Yeah, sorry. If you've been stashing him, look, I feel your pain. I've been stashing Brent Honeywell for four months. Like, I, I get it. It's frustrating, but, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow, but you, you have to choke it down. Uh, another, uh, Look, I'm so happy I stuck to my guns and held on to Acuna in staff one. I also went out and acquired Fernando Tatis Jr., who I saw somebody ask you about in this AMA. Thought it was interesting to see his promotion to double A, bypassing the high A level. You just kind of explain that move and what you think is to come for Tatis Jr. Yeah, so it's it's partly. I mean, I think he he deserved a promotion. Obviously, I mean, he he deserved a promotion for a while now. Uh, but I think partly this has to do with that double A San Antonio team competing for a Texas League title, and you bring Tatis up as kind of, you know, this spark plug player who could, could help them, uh, win that title. And you give him, you know, a taste of upper level pitching in, in the process. I am not sure whether he opens like, let he's not a lock to open next year at double a, they could assign him to the Cal league and he would still be extremely young for the Cal league as a, as a 19 year old. Uh, he could just skip, high a i mean he is that talented it wouldn't surprise me uh it could he could just be sent to high a for maybe you know a month six weeks and then then go to double a i mean he's gonna spend i think the bulk of next season at double a but this this move wasn't made strictly because it's like we got to get this guy up up and facing double a pitching partly uh, you know the, the Padres, especially that that's a team where they have a ton of talent at every single level except the big league level, and it's important to them as it as it is for for all organizations for these guys to experience winning, especially in the upper levels of the minors because that's just something they're not going to experience anytime soon when they get to the big league. So it's it's something that uh, they want these guys to experience. I remember last year's. Uh, El Paso team with Margot and, and Hunter Renfro and Carlos Asuaje. Uh, I think they might've even kept Austin Hedges down until they were done wrapping up the uh, Pacific Coast League title. But th- those guys all stayed down in AAA just to to complete that, that season there and, yeah. and, and win that title. And then they were brought up to, to the big leagues. So uh, that's that's the main reason why he's he's jumping high and going to double A. Yeah, and that's something that Todd Zola pointed out in his latest Z Files column. It's just something to to maybe consider if you're really digging deep for September call-ups. Take a look at the teams that are competing and maybe make deep playoff runs in the minors because that could affect uh, their arrival time in the majors for sure. I saw somebody else ask you about Kyle Tucker and his struggles at AA since his promotion. I know you were a big Kyle Tucker fan coming into the year. Don't imagine that stance has changed much, but any concern whatsoever with, with Tucker's recent struggles? No, I mean, he, he's part of the problem with a guy like Acuna is the same issue we had, you know, sort of right after Mike Trout's success and right after Carlos Correa and Corey Seager, guys like that. You know, not it's it's very rare for a prospect to 
be at levels where he's but you know by far one of the youngest players at the level as tucker is at double a he's just 20 years old it's very rare for a guy to continuously get pushed up and and be that young and not face any periods of struggle and struggling for kyle tucker like are you worried about kyle tucker kyle tucker's air quote struggles i mean he's got a 116 wrc plus he's got 13 homers in 61 games seven steals 22 percent k rate like he's not i was just going on the question the question i was asking no no i'm like he's struggling no I'm, I'm i'm basically talking to the, the guy that asked oh, the okay. question yeah no like, i was just wondering like yeah he like, doesn't sound like he's struggling that like that but that's the that's where some people are with prospects where a, a guy's hitting 256 so everyone's freaking out like it's yeah he's doing fine like the astros are totally fine with how he's doing this has already been a huge uh success of a season for tucker he could he could finish the season 0 for 30 like and this is a huge huge year for him developmentally i think we see him in the big leagues at some point in the second half next year yeah interesting uh austin meadows he has been struggling really all year to a significant significant extent also dealing with i think another sort of injury it really doesn't look like a September call-up is in the cards. really probably isn't warranted given his play, but has his long-term outlook taken a pretty significant hit? Uh, it's tough to – there's so many factors with, with Meadows, and he's just 22. Uh, the injury issues, the hamstring, the, the, the repeat hamstring injuries, three separate years now he's missed significant time there. Uh that's a that's a big issue you know developmentally this has been kind of a lost year he just hasn't really been able to get a groove at the plate uh so yeah there's a variety of reasons to be a little bit down on meadows we still haven't really sorted out where he is going to play and hopefully that's something that gets sorted out this off season whether it be them trading andrew mccutcheon you know there's just the problem is there's just not a market for outfielders, uh, regardless of how good they are. The that ha- we we saw that with the JD Martinez trade. It's just every team, every team that's competing or thinks it can compete has outfielders. Like yeah. look at the Braves, like they have, they're they're gonna have Acuna up in in April, and they're gonna have to sit some veteran who maybe they don't want to sit. Um, there's. There's just a ton of outfield depth all across baseball. So, and look what the, you know, the Diamondbacks had to pay up for JD, and the the Indians basically got Jay Bruce for free. Who's right, not a great player, but these are the kind of guys you can Dodgers, get. To add. Dodgers got Curtis yeah. Granderson for free. Yeah, uh, these are the kind of guys you can add if if you're are a little bit thin but yeah most competitive teams really aren't. And the fact that Meadows hasn't had a good year at all makes it probably more likely that he will just head back to triple a and he could spend over half the next year at triple a like if if a spot doesn't open up like if if a guy like he still needs someone to get hurt and for him to be performing well probably for him to join that big league outfield and that's just not a lot to happen at until you know i mean that there will come a point if he's performing there will probably come a point next year where they bring him up even if it's only to get you know two or three starts a week but yeah i mean it's it's not good times if you're a meadows owner uh jordan luplo is a guy that i 
I think it definitely has earned a September call up and they have playing time to give out right now in that outfield. It might not be more than two or three starts a week, but uh, as long as Gregory Polanco's sidelined, I think Luplo could get a handful of starts in September. So he's the guy I'd be looking at. Very, very interesting. I also saw this toss up here in the AMA. Luis Castillo or Luke Weaver rest of season. I've been really impressed with what Luis Castillo has shown. Which way do you lean, not only ROS, but really in the years ahead? That's That one was just so hard to answer because, you know, Castillo's, he's brought it this year. He's, he's really performed over a 12-start stretch. We know that he's going to get starts in September. He's whereas, the ace for the Reds. Right, right. Yeah, he's the... Literally. He's the, the face of Cincinnati baseball <laughs> right now. Um, Still Joey. Come on. No, I know. It, he, but, like, Weaver, we think he's probably going to get starts, at least for the foreseeable future with Adam Wainwright down. But Adam Wainwright hasn't been ruled out for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. I, I, I think I, I definitely liked Weaver a lot more coming into the year. They, they're actually, they're weirdly similar and weirdly very different in the fact that Castillo's just pumping uh, triple-digit gas, and he's got a great changeup, and Weaver's got like 92, 93 miles an hour with a great changeup. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Castillo's just the safer bet, he, and he's got upside. So I think that's probably the smart call, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Weaver uh, carried some teams here in September. Well, this is great stuff. Again, check out the full transcript for yourself from this AMA ask me anything on Reddit. Uh, James at Real JR Anderson tweeted out. I'm at Clay W. Link. I retweeted it. Great stuff. But it is time to move on to our number five album, each of us, on the all time hip hop countdowns. You kind of recap for me your, your first five. For me, it was zero, Let the Truth Be Told, Jay Z's The Blueprint, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, Eric B. and Rakim, Paid in Full, and Outcast, Stankonia. For me, with uh, number 10, it was Raekwon's Only Built for Cuban Links. Number 9 was Mob Deep, The Infamous. Number 8 was Jay-Z's The Black Album. Number 7 was Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Number 6 was Dr. Dre's 2001. Nice. So we haven't had any overlap yet, have we? No. Well, we both we both have Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Yeah, and we both have... But is that in your top five? Well, no. The, I had. Oh yeah, Blueprint right. was the other week. That's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, only built for Q and Links is on my list. But we'll have plenty of overlap come coming. Yeah, I'm guessing. That's true. I imagine. Well, there may be some differences in these top fives, but well, there will be at least one. But I think probably pretty close. I'll let you kick this one off. What do you got for number five? I'm gonna have to apologize to the guy on in the Reddit. AMA who predicted that I'd have this album number one. Also going to apologize to anyone who is really, really sick of me talking about Jay-Z albums, but uh, I've got reasonable doubt at number five. Wow, three in the top ten. Yeah, but none in the top four. I'm not, I'm not that much of a homer. Like, (laughs) I, well, no, that's 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 BS. I'm totally in the bag for Jay Z. Got three three of his albums in my top ten, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, 
truthful or, or doing this process the right way if I'd if I'd kept these three albums out or, or two of the three out or or even just one of the three out because they're they're definitely shoe ins for my top ten. Uh also want to apologize to the guy who wanted us to have an M album. M and M album. I can uh, just Well we already apologized to him on Twitter. Yeah, but, but I'm just gonna say yeah. right now that he was like he, he's like I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that there's not gonna be a M and M album in either of your guys' top tens. I was like, Well that's a it's a good uh <laughs> it's a good hunch. Yeah. He nailed that one. Not that I I mean look I, I liked I liked the first two albums quite a bit. Eminem's uh got some ab- absolute classic tracks, but I I honestly have not gone out and like or on my computer, on my phone or whatever, I've not specifically played an Eminem song in years. Mm-hmm. Like oh, multiple, multiple years. So uh just not a guy who's catalog has aged all that well for me but um you know reasonable doubt part of the reason why it's not higher on this list is because i think there are you know maybe one or two albums from this era that have aged slightly better uh you know a lot of these beats sort of feel like they were made in the 90s mid 90s um but i mean lyrically i think it's jay-z's best album I don't really think that's debatable. Uh, you have Brooklyn's Finest with Biggie, Can't Knock the Hustle with Mary J. Blige, um, leading off the the album. Dead Presence, obviously a classic track. Feeling It is one of my two or three favorite Jay Z songs of all time. So I mean, there's there's a ton of ton of great tracks on here. I definitely would. If you if you're not a big Jay Z fan, I think you got to start at the beginning and then and kind of work your way up because this is you know this is just not it's so far removed from the type of music he was making even you know when it came to like Black Album in terms of just subject matter and everything like that that it's it's definitely worth kind of starting at the beginning. I can't knock that choice whatsoever. Great great album. Those you know if we'd expanded to like fifteen, I think both reasonable doubt and the black album maybe maybe not the black album i like it a lot obviously but maybe not top 15 reasonable doubt though was you know on the on the chopping block barely missed out on my top 10 my number five is illmatic by nas nice i think a lot of people would probably have this number one and i couldn't argue that really only has one feature on this album which is you know featuring az but that's perfect the, the producing the producers, especially DJ Premier on this album, really kind of stood out. Also, he's got a track with Pete Rock producing, Large Professor. I mean, the beats on this are just amazing, top to bottom. It's only 10 tracks, but, I mean, this is this is kind of like Hip Hop 101. If you want to introduce somebody to, to hip hop, you sit them down with this album, maybe give them something to enjoy beforehand, and then just kick back and, and take this in. Do you have a favorite track on there? Maybe memory lane. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say. That's I mean that's a fantastic album. Uh, spoiler alert: it uh, it will be coming on my list as well. Yeah. Uh, I knew I, that. I think everyone probably could have guessed. I don't. I don't think either of us were going to not have Bill Maddock in our top tens, and yeah. and we obviously we're going to both have it in our top five. So. Um, I mean, I, I think if you, if you haven't heard Illmatic, I know, I think we, did we get Waylon to listen to Illmatic or I have a hard time believing that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't listened to Illmatic, I think that that is absolute 
uh, should be number one on your priority list mm-hmm. with, with just your life in general. Um, make like make I, sure yeah. you correct that wrong. Yeah. You're blowing it if you haven't heard this. I mean, maybe it's, it probably is the best rap album in a vacuum, but I guess just personal preference. I have a f- just a couple albums ahead of it. Yeah, like if you were just kind of scoring it like as yeah. a professor, you know, and, and you're just kind of giving out the yeah. grades, like it, it'd be tough to see how you could argue that something else was better just technically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it, it, it does come down to objectivity and personal preference totally, and totally. subjectivity, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the way Nas's career went after this, it was written pretty good, had some really good uh, tracks on it. I Am, eh, not so great. Nostradamus, woof. <laughs> but then Stillmatic, 2001, about... Oh, it would be seven years after Illmatic dropped. I think that's another class. After, you know, after it was written, and yeah, Stillmatic also uh, also a classic. But like the other ones in that in that range, um, they were just every album had like two to three hot tracks. Maybe maybe that's even be generous for Nostradamus. But um, you know, the, the, he was so. the king of releasing albums that like two or three would just really bang and like yeah. the rest was just kind of eh. yeah like his third best album maybe like the lost tapes which is just like songs that were no cut. it was written it's got to be his third oh best. that's true that's true i was thinking i forgot about i that. mean i but i i'm still a not i was still a not a sucker though i mean i went out and bought um is it streets disciple the double disc is that <laughs> is that the double disc yeah i think so um yeah i bought that uh le- legitimately paid money for that um I mean, Godson. I think I bought. I had Godson. That was a double. I think I don't remember. But that, I mean, that that was Godson's just your classic like Letdown. late late Nas like career album where it was just yeah. like I think there were two or three tracks on there that I still love, but like the rest was just pure garbage. Yeah. Well, two absolute gems this week. We will continue with our countdown of our top ten hip hop albums of all time coming next week, and you know. What we're going to be talking about in terms of prospects, just the guys who arrived to the majors, maybe? Uh, I'm going to do my next two farm futures will be the last two of the season before AFL. And I think next week I'll be doing um, the minor league hitter awards or pitcher awards. I haven't decided which one I'll do first. And then the next week will be the, the other one. So be giving out some you know, most improved, uh, most impressive, biggest bust at, at every level. So, uh, check out that next week. Absolutely. We'll look forward to that. Thanks you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.